This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big O Big Show. And we're having some fun here today, even though that last segment was a little sad. Um, I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> Gosh. Hans, have we recovered? Have you gathered yourself? I yeah. know you're a, I know you're a huge dog lover, but Lloyd came in and started screaming at me. <laughs> yeah. Because he just put his dog down this last weekend. Yeah, yeah you're gonna have you're gonna have a few upset Scott, people. Scotty's hanging around here too, and he's not exactly an animal lover, no, is he? No. He, no, he's not. Uh, oh, by the way, just a, a kind of a PSA to everybody out there. If you are looking for Aggie Talk, 10 to 2 every day, you can get it in the midday. <laughs> Thanks for As that. well as every other station and every other uh, category here in the market. How you doing in there, Austin? Great! <laughs> Have you been talking to a few Aggie fans? Nope. Okay. All right, uh, we are privileged uh, to have uh, the voice of the Utah Jazz on our show now, Hans. David Locke joins us. David, how are you? Hey, David. I'm so confused. Uh, well, there has been an outpouring of, well, I guess uh, there are a lot of Aggie fans that are upset with the amount of Aggie coverage that the big show is giving. And that's why I'm saying you can get Aggie coverage from the voice of the Aggies 10 to 2 every day. On the stage. Uh, the a lack of coverage, or uh, yeah, lack of coverage during the big show. There's a, a complaint of that. So really, that's something that hmm. needs to be addressed with Gordon and Jake. And now, now hold on here, David. You were, uh, from your experience, your vast experience mm-hmm. as a talk show host, and in this market, uh, did you talk about Utah State football a whole lot? Oh, I'm gonna like reveal. Should I reveal every dirty sick secret on how this works? <laughs> Go ahead. If there's a discussion around the Aggies, that Venn diagram can widen out outside of solely Aggies into an interesting conversation that would relate to all fans, absolutely. If we're discussing whether the right guard of the Aggies is good enough, absolutely not. Go Aggies! <laughs> but quite honestly, if you're really like, you guys know this, Quite honestly, that's not that different than Utah and BYU. Like, anytime you're talking about BYU, even when Hans was doing like his down and dirty stuff, like, it's got to be done in a manner that a Ute fan that just does not care about that right guard at BYU can think about it from his own team perspective, and so that it widens beyond just that narrow focus. That's okay, so true. give give us That's an give us an example of that, David. Like, put yourself in our shoes, and you're introducing a football talk segment. And uh, give us give us an example. Well, I mean, if Hans is doing Hans is unbelievable on his breakdowns, like you know, um, you know, a breakdown of a month of Monday on a Saturday game, and like if you're a BYU fan, you obviously have to listen to it, or else you're like going to be at the office or the ward and have and be like the one who doesn't know what's going on, and then you're going to be like the little loser that like spurks in with your little comment because you're feeling left out, and they're all going to look at you like you don't listen to Hans, just go away. <laughs> so like that's really clear. But if Hans is good enough that 
if I'm a Ute fan, while I don't really care about BYU and frankly would like to see that right guard twist his ankle in a manner that makes him unable to play but not be permanently injured for life, um, particularly if we play you. Like, I mean, right, let's be honest. There's a little disdain there. Um, But Hams does it well enough so that when I'm listening to it, if you're talking about how someone's not like something really diehardy, like, okay, the blitz came in and clearly the center and the right guard didn't communicate right. And hands gets into like, Hey, the center's making the call at the line and the guard clearly either didn't get the call or thought his assignment was to, you know, to, to help out, you know, they thought everyone was sliding one over and then they brought a middle blitz and he got straight in and buried the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like if Hams does that well enough and I'm a huge fan and I'm listening, I actually leave with knowledge that's worthwhile for my team and understanding the game of football, regardless of whether I actually cared about the players being talked about. That's the key. It makes sense. And and I, I also like your, your kind of drawing the line of if it's a conversation we can all talk about. For instance, Utah State, the interesting thing is they've gone to the transfer portal. They have brought in so much talent. You might have eight, nine, ten starters that are out of the portal, and that's kind of a unique thing. It's like, okay, well. That's fascinating. Yeah, can you. And then I want. And I want to hear you tell me how a team forms. So how does a team form differently than if you're all different guys? And I go back to Jimmy Johnson saying, like, well, you know what? I don't give a crap. It's 11 on 11. If all of you win your matchups, we're going to be fine. To, like, well, what does that mean? Like, how are we supposed to – do we actually have to come together a team? What does that mean? Actually, how much teamwork is there really? Like, Mm -hmm. what is that compared to, like – And then how does that work differently for like Utah where guys are coming from all across the world or BYU where they have a common tie about the religion, but guys are leaving for two years and suddenly one guy's 25 and another guy's 18. Like you go take me into those conversations. That's pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. So David, how do you handle that? Uh, Everything in life is a Venn diagram. I just loved Venn (laughs) diagrams. I think they're the greatest things ever, but if you really think about it, you have, you have a circle that's Utah, a circle that's BYU, a circle that's Utah State, a circle that's Utah Jazz. And anytime you're in a conversation in which you're only in that individual circle, it's a problem. If you're in the Venn diagram portion of the circle, then you're doing really good radio. So how do you handle that on a jazz broadcast? Because sometimes you talk about other NBA players. First of all, let me ask you this question. Do you think basketball fans in this market are mostly jazz fans or are they basketball fans? They're mostly jazz fans, but our market, maybe due to a daily podcast, is smarter than some other markets. (laughs) (laughs) I might take a little credit having been in the market for 20 years. I think there's been a willingness to allow us to dive deep as host in the game of basketball in a manner that a lot of other markets don't do. Um, You know, we had a unique time with Ronnie Beglin, Rick Majerus, Roger Reed, and Larry Eustacey, where we had four really incredible coaches and programs as the Jazz were hot. And I feel like that generation of fans that grew up with that is now the older listeners to us. And there really are very, very smart basketball fans. So I think there's something to it. I change my broadcast based on the opponent, the time of the season, and the time of the game. So if we're playing the Knicks at a 5 o'clock mountain time start, that's a different broadcast because I have people driving home. And I'm going to call that game one way, maybe less stats, a little bit more big picture of where the Jazz are, big, particularly if it's early in the season, and it's very big picture of where the Jazz are, and a little bit about the Knicks, but almost all Jazz broadcast at that point, like very little about the opponent. 
if it's an 8.30 at night game against the Lakers, that's an analytically heavy broadcast, pretty detailed about the players, really maybe getting into deeper level of like who they are, how they're playing. Actually, let me take in, in more of like maybe how they're playing analytically because anyone who's listening to me at 9.30 at night is either on a night shift or they've made a conscious effort to listen to the radio because they've chosen us rather than choosing a TV game. Or there's someone who doesn't have cable and we don't have very good streaming, so they've chosen radio as their thing all year and they're probably listening to me 40, 45 times a year. So that's a very different listener. The third version is the playoffs where you're getting into much more like Jordan Clarkson at the line, grew up in San Antonio, dad did, um, car, you know, as a car um, a detailer, often with the NBA players bringing their car into uh, his part of town to be detailed while their kid, like Austin Rivers, played hoops with Jordan Clarkson. Like, you know, or just like we're playing, you know, like some story, kind of screwed up that story, but it's a great story, right? But that story I'm probably using when we're into the end of the season or playoffs, when my audience has gotten even larger than it would be otherwise, because the interest with the jazz is peaking. And so, you know, that's where someone goes out for dinner at, you know, let's say they went to Alamexo, a restaurant that has since closed and breaks my heart. Um, and they're driving, Hey, let's check the jazz game. And if you can give them that little nugget, they might bring them into the team a little bit more. So you're doing a little of that. There's, you know, like, so I change my broadcast very dramatically depending on what's happening. And, I've said this before, every night in my head I have a person I'm calling a game to, and I kind of have characteristics of that person and what they want, and that's how I alter the broadcast. So this question sounds like I'm trying to elicit uh, maybe a gratuitous response, but do you think certain fan bases are smarter than others, and where does the Jazz fan base rank in that kind of thing? Um, I do think that's true, and I think it has to do with – so, I mean, I think it has to do with culture of the city – I think it has to do with length of time the franchise has been there. I think it has to do with how many other sports you have. Um, and I think you have culturally different, like a Philadelphia basketball culture is very different than a Utah basketball culture, right? Um, and because Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia's got a grit in that basketball culture of like, um, you know, and frankly, a, a, you know, in, a New York inner city basketball is a little different than ward ball, right? Um so, I mean, I do think that there's a vast fact that there's a gym in every single one of the wards ties to the culture that is part of our state, that, you know, basketball is kind of what you do. I think winter towns often have a deeper basketball culture, right, because you're coming inside to play. Um, so I think, it, you know, yeah, I do think our family, like, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm really generally impressed. Um, I get some pretty long thought out emails from people and I'm, not the best at always responding to them, so I apologize. But I'm generally pretty impressed with what I see from people. Not always. Like, you know, the guy I wanted to try Joe E-N-G-L-E-S yesterday, I wasn't really thinking he was a very big fan. But David, I want to kind of go on a different angle, different trajectory Please. here. Um, I'm, is, is, it, is there a general consensus on the greatest second-round pick and the greatest free agent and the greatest uh, – or, sorry, the hmm. greatest undrafted free agent – and the greatest free agent pick uh, pickup in jazz history. Oh, in jazz history, I was going NBA history. Nope, jazz history. Uh, oh, so the greatest second round pick in NBA history has to be Nikola Jokic, right? Yes, probably. Like, there's never been another second round MVP. Yep. Um, free agents are an interesting concept, right? Because some of these are like pretty good European players that come over as free agents. Like, who who's the best undrafted player in the history of the NBA? 
wonder what the answer on that's probably obvious to someone. That's probably an obvious answer and I don't have it. Like someone could probably but I think it would be probably some foreign player that came over late and signed, maybe. I don't know. Um like our Vita Sabonis was pretty good for an undrafted, right? Yep. Um all right, from Jazz History. Um Okay, well, I'm, I'm not great at these kind of things. This is not in my Bally Wook of Strengths. Um, it's why I write down after every game what happened because I can't I have bad memory. Um, so Would Paul Millsap Paul be the Millsap or Paul Millsap is our best second-round pick of all time? Okay. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think so. Our best undrafted player of all time was probably Joe Ingles, right? Would, would it be Wes Matthews? He only played for us for a year. Yeah. Then he was off to big things. He's done great things in his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, he was great. I mean, undrafted, I think he probably got 13 years in the league. I think he's done, but I think it's over. It happens fast. I just, I just asked that because I, 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 I'm hopeful that there's a second-round draft pick at number 40 that, that came in and the Jazz got him on the take. It's just an incredible trade. Didn't give much for him, but there could be huge upside on this. I. So I'm hopeful. I'm big hopeful on this, and certainly the script that Jared Butler has, which is being you know a three-time player and you know three-year pro, and then winning a national or college and that winning a national championship. Like I get it. Um, I so okay. I I I don't want to throw like cold water on your parade here, um, but I generally don't like to believe. I think the minute you believe that your organization is smarter than everyone else, you're going to start making mistakes. Mm-hmm. You would hope you have better process and you're doing as good a job or that you're better than the majority or that you're doing things well. Right. But like the idea that you're like the person who walks around thinking they're always the smartest guy in the room is the one who makes a fool of themselves. And I think that's true in this too. Like if you like the one, the biggest mistake I've watched with most signings, across the league in my 30 years covering the league. Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember when you were 22, David. Yeah, I do, too. Mm-hmm. Um, things felt differently. Um, when is when you believe that your system and your program and what you do is so much better than everyone else's that you can change that player. So this is not that case, right, Jared Butler. But for, for what you're saying – on Jared Butler, you have to be implying that 20 teams made a mistake. I have a hard time with that. I've watched him. I think he's nice. I think he could be a good player. I think he could be like a rotation player in the NBA, um, particularly if he can shoot it as well as he did in college. The release is a little low, but he has some real depth on that shot. He had some interesting things where I watched him on a play come from the left side and go off one foot and get on top of the rack. And he had another time on the right side, he came off two feet and took contact and dropped through a foul. Like that versatility of things is really, really good. I didn't, uh, on the other side of things, I, I didn't see, like, first he's small. He's 6'3 with a 6'4 wingspan. I thought he looked small. Um, like I think the NBA is becoming six four with a six seven wingspan. Like your small guard, and then everybody else under that is small. So Donovan and Mike are small, but Donovan's wingspan is like six five, six seven. I think. Um, I did. I thought the lane 
closed really fast on him at times when I watched him collegiate basketball. And so that will happen more and maybe he'll just be a perimeter player and be successful. But I like, I try to find players where I think can get on top of the cup and can get into the lane. And like, like I'd give you an example, like Jared Butler was a million times better player than Keon Johnson. who came out of Tennessee. But like when I watched Keon Johnson, I was like, Oh, that's an NBA player. Like he just looked the part, like he's got to change his game and do all sorts of things differently. But he's like, Oh, Oh, that's like a bona fide big time NBA player. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm optimistic that he can be a rotation player. I'm not as optimistic as this kind of talk that he's like this massive steal that everybody missed on. I didn't see a lottery pick like that wasn't what I saw when I watched him. Um, again, I only watched three games and I don't know the intricacies. And then I would also tell you from an analytical standpoint, his mark his route is not great analytically. Players who who are not dominant at 18 and 19 against other against guys but are more dominant at 21 against 18 and 19 year olds traditionally don't do as well in the NBA, but we're not asking for that. We're asking for someone to be a rotation player. So that might be a non-issue. Like, let me back up on that one. When you draft a player top 10 or 15 and you're trying to say he's going to be like a star and they weren't good until they were 21 or 22 in college, you just made a mistake. Like almost universally. Now, Damian Lillard was that, but he was good at 18 and 19, right? And 19 and 22, right? Like he was, go back and look at his freshman and sophomore numbers. They were great. He just got injured and didn't come out. Um, So it's pretty unusual that you can draft somebody in the top 15 and have them be these guys who are like their best when they got older and have them then be, and have them become, but if you're doing it just for a rotation player like Cameron Johnson, the Phoenix Suns, then it seems to have actually been a fine way to draft. So if we're just doing that, that doesn't matter. But it, but it refutes the idea of like at 40, we got this like future all-star. I'm just not there. Okay. Real quick, David, uh, uh, Vegas has set the over underline for jazz wins uh, this coming season at 51.5. I Do you realize how like amazing it is to have your over under be like the second best in the conference to start the year. Yeah. Like how amazing is that? Lakers at 52 and a half. And that's yeah, it. right. But like still what an incredible, like, I know you don't win any games for this, but like the idea that the world, like, Oh, we don't get any respect. Like that's just like, okay. So we're expected to have like the second best win total in the Western conference. That's amazing. That's great. Do you go over or under? Um, I mean, it seems like they, it's the same amount of wins as they had last year. So it seems like it should be pretty simple to go over on that. Um, when you're playing 10 more games, however, obviously we'll have more injuries. We were pretty injury free until the end. Uh, I think there's a funky game that with a full schedule, whether or not teams are going to players are, I don't think the, the over-unders are all low universally, like across the board, like the, like the Lakers number one is 52. I think they have a 52.5. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Well, there's never been a team with a number one seed in the West with 50, only 52 wins. Right. Like, I think it's always been 55 or more. So something's going on where they've done some analysis that they think there's going to be enough resting or other things taking place. The other thing that is taking place is like, there's only like three terrible teams, maybe four, right? Houston, Oklahoma city, Orlando, Cleveland, but, like, after that, like, you're playing New Orleans four times this year. How many wins do you expect? Three. <laughs> maybe? But, but, yeah, maybe. Like, okay, you got Sacramento three, four times this year. How many times do you think you're getting them? 
three. Okay, maybe, right? Maybe. Okay, let's. So, so those are like okay. So OKC and Houston, you better go beat them four times each. Like those games are really important. I know this sounds funny because we're all going to care about the Lakers and the Clippers and those games, but like the game that actually matters is Oklahoma City and Houston, and not being one of their sixteen wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Yeah. Those games are actually the most important games in your schedule. We have a funky thing in our schedule. If you look at the who we play on the back end of the back-to-back, we play on the road against the six best teams in the NBA. I almost think I would toss all six of them. Wow. Like, we're on the back end of a back-to-back in Milwaukee, in Philadelphia, in Brooklyn, in L.A., in Phoenix, and one other really good team on the back end of a back-to-back. I might toss all of them because you're not really supposed to win those games anyway. But like go through the West, like, uh, like this is a good summer activity, but like go through the West. We only play the Lakers and Clippers three times and two other teams. I don't remember who they are. So I apologize if I've already said them. I think actually one of them might be Houston or Oklahoma city. They can't be Oklahoma city. It might be Houston. Um, but like go through those teams and say, okay, well, how many games do you expect to win? And like, it's an interesting, like it's, it's hard to, if you're being if you're not being like a total Pollyanna that everything goes your way, like it's hard to come up with a lot of wins this year because teams are really good. David, we appreciate your analysis. Thanks for uh, talking to us. Thanks, David. Okay, Ham's great to talk to you, Gordon. You're the best. Stay off e-bikes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a story there that some of you know and some of you don't. But anyway, David Locke, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we better get out of here before Austin comes in here with a with a two-by-four and hits us over the head. So uh, I think, do you have Andrew there? Nope, got to call him. Can't call him until you hang up on the guest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I'm looking forward to Austin. I got him now. To Andrew. So let's toss it over to him. Andrew with Wasatch Medical Clinic joining us today, 801-901-8000. Andrew, people out there struggling with ED, never fret anymore. You've got a solution for him, don't you? We certainly do. And the best part of my job is talking to patients when they finish treatment. Uh, They leave, and it almost seems like they're a new person. They come into the clinic the first time, uh, maybe, maybe depressed, I don't know, certainly saddened by the erectile dysfunction. And when things go well in the bedroom, it seems like they go well outside. The relationship, overall happiness, intimacy has improved. They don't have to rely on the pill. That's what's so unique about the acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical. With just a few short 10-minute treatments, we can open up and regrow the blood vessels. There are 50 clinical studies saying that it works, it's safe, and it actually has been called the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. If someone calls today and gets their, their appointment, how soon can they expect their life to be back to normal? Well, a lot of guys do the assessment, and they'll start treatments pretty quickly. Uh, The whole process is two to three weeks. So that's probably the answer to your question. But guys improve typically as they go. Uh, You do a treatment, you notice a little more blood flow in the bedroom each time, and it progressively gets better. You guys understand over there at Wasatch Medical Clinic that while it shouldn't be this way, some people are embarrassed by this. And so you make it discreet, you make it comfortable, and you incentivize them to give you a call today. We do. We'll do the initial assessment, screening, and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor uh, totally free. 
there's no obligation, and a lot of guys do not do treatments. They just take the free. It's totally okay with us. Uh, you'll get the gift that produces powerful results in the bedroom. That's a home run. Guys love it. Uh, and you're right. It's all totally no charge. Get the exam, the ultrasound, the free gift, 801-901-8000. Again, free exam, free ultrasound, free gift, 801-901-8000 at Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. More of The Big Show up next here on The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Matt Brown joining us now, covering college football nationally for Extra Points Newsletter and Podcast. Do you buy the Pac-12 going to 14 teams? Do you think K-State and Oklahoma State would happen? And if so, is the Big Ten adding Kansas and somebody, maybe West Virginia, no, maybe no, somebody else? No, 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 no. Institutional fit matters much more in conference realignment than a lot of sports writers give it credit for. But in the Pac-12, that means, generally, you are a state-sponsored large research institution that's good at multiple sports. That's not Kansas State. That's not Texas. Tech, that's not Oklahoma State. And none of them are good enough at sports to overcome that by themselves. There's really not a good option for the Pac-12 to add another team that will appease all of those presidents, whether that's in the Big 12 leftovers, whether that's an independent, whether that's a team in China. That team just doesn't exist right now. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. BYU has named Jaron Hall as their starting quarterback. Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator, was asked if he's concerned about Jaron's past history injuries or injury history. Yeah, that was unfortunate, um, but I'm not really can't really worry about that. You know, it's been two years. He's been uh, practicing with us now all last spring, all fall camp. He's looking great and we're going to go play. And we, we obviously we're not a reckless offense. We want to protect our quarterback. We take care of our QBs as much as we can in pass protections. And uh, everybody knows our quarterbacks are going to run a little bit every game. And, and that's part of the game. And uh, but personally, I think those were fluky things. You know, his his injuries of the past. I don't consider him an injury prone guy. He's a really tough kid. He works as hard as anybody in this program. He's in great shape and uh, he's one of the best athletes on this team. And I, I expect him to be ready to play just like any other QB in this program has played. Tune in to DJ and PK this Friday morning. They'll be joined by a men's health expert from University of Utah Health. Special thanks to U of U Health for joining DJ and PK this Friday from 7 to 10 right here on The Zone. Gordon Monson, he's Hans Olsen, and uh, Austin's here with us doing the big show today. Jake Scott is uh, not vacationing. He's on a trip with his two kids. I picked Coldplay in celebration of my friendship with Scott Gerard. This is his favorite band. So, is it really? Yes. He loves them, and I thought this would be a great way to pay tribute to him and his love of a very good band. Why do I think you're being uh, yeah, this will go well. all of a sudden? This is a good idea. Why does he hate Coldplay so much? 
This is, this is a good choice. <laughs> he hates him so bad. I don't know, man. He feels about Coldplay the way I feel about ZZ Top. Like, ZZ Top should have never been a band. It is an embarrassment. But why does he feel that way? I mean, I don't know, because at least they put out good music, and ZZ Top couldn't do that. There's two things, Scott. I can't talk about Coldplay to Scotty. Scotty can't talk about the Eagles to me, because we we attack each other on it, and it's just, it gets ugly. Hmm. Well, I... I uh, I like to let people think what they want about their music, with one exception, and that's bozos who ripped the Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles are the most overrated band in history. The Beatles are worse than the Monkees. The Beatles are worse than Millie Vanilli. The uh, Beatles are worse than Limp Bizkit. <laughs> worse all, than Millie Vanilli? All, all these incriminating audios that he's uh, rolling out right now where I lost bets, and so I had to record Only, only one of those was that you had to pay the bet with. They're better than Millie Vanilli. You know, Gordon's you right. I do it. have bad taste in music. <laughs> you stop it. They're better than Millie Vanilli. Uh, all right. Mm. All right. Uh, now, <laughs> these young these young fellas, uh, I just don't get it, Hans. Did you watch what? the movie yesterday? Incredible yes, movie. Incredible uh, movie. Yeah. Did that guy look like uh, look like John Lennon or what? Yes. That was it, it. Was him? That oh, was, was that computer generated? No, he he faked his death. He's, that was, <laughs> oh, that's I don't think that's true. Uh, but what a fantastic movie! And even if you don't like the Beatles, you can't help but enjoy the music in that movie. Who yeah, because it's not the Beatles doing it. Who doesn't? I'm with you. Who doesn't like the Beatles? I mean, other than Jake and Austin. I don't like their singing voices. I don't know what to tell you. What do you mean? That's one of the best harmonies. They sing like their noises are plugged. Jeez, <laughs> oh, okay. When Mother Mary comes to me. No, anyone else sings it? It's beautiful. Hey, by the way, Austin, I put in a music request. I, I didn't start with Coldplay. I did it with Coldplay. I asked you to do all the different songs from Sound of Music, and you shut me down. You shut the door on me so I fast. Did. I did. Why? Because I like our listeners and want them to have a good product to listen to. You don't like the music from Sound of Music? I love the music from Sound of Music. But this is the, the Zone Sports Network, not the Zone Musical Network. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible. I, I thought people would love it. You should feel it. terrible. I, and I love every song from there. <laughs> I like Edelweiss the most, I think. That's a beautiful song. It's a gorgeous song. My and, guy Damon Yanni just played Captain Von Trapp Vinny? in Sound of Music at the Hope Box Theater. Do you know what Edelweiss is? Uh, it's a flower. It's a flower. flower. Yeah, uh, and I loved sixteen going on seventeen. I actually, I, I, I know that whole song. I could <laughs> sing it. it. You, you play Liesel, and and I'll play Rolf. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened to Rolf? What, what was that all about? He just is. He just was caught up in the whole momentum of, of you know the the movement. I think wanted a little bit of power and. And chose power over a woman. And you just don't do that, you know. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you, choose, you choose love over power every time. Especially not that power. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, bad choice on his part. Anyway, was Colonel Von Trapp, I mean, he was he's Captain, Captain, Captain please. Colonel, whatever. Yeah. He, he, he was a stud, wasn't he? He was. Uh, so I just read the true story of Mother Maria. And uh, this is the, the Von Trapp singers, that was an actual group and Maria was an actual leader of that group and did they escape over the mountains and they did escape over the mountain yes that that is uh, there is an accurate depiction and obviously there's a lot added in all of that I, I don't know if there was a, a love interest between uh, Captain von Trapp and Maria but I do know that Mother Maria was a 
was a real figure in historical hmm. marks. So uh, it just kind of adds another layer. Doe, a deer, female deer, ray, a drop of golden sun. Okay, that's enough. I do like that song, though. And name, I call myself uh, a long, long way to run. So, a needle pulling thread. What? La, a note to follow. So, tea, a drink with jam and bread. Then that'll bring us back to. I'm a. I'm erasing. I'm erasing this uh, tape personally. When, when we're done. He did not okay, erase it. Here we go. That did not get erased. That is incriminating. Austin. I forgive you for every bad thing you've ever done in your life. That was a thing of beauty. Thank you, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> a thing of beauty. Hey, he I, said he was going to delete it. He didn't. I feel it's fair and game. And you then, found huh? it. Yeah, sure enough. You can count on us. Just for that. sing like no one's listening, and no one would listen to that. I got to ask you this real quick, Hans. Uh, the story out of. Uh, Atlanta, that the Falcons started celebrating their performance in the Super Bowl at a few years ago at halftime. Yeah. They were up by 28 to 3. Uh-huh. But you've been in a lot of locker rooms through the years. Have you ever seen anything like that happen? And have you seen it blow up in the faces of an entire team like that? I have not seen a celebration over a halftime score, but I have absolutely quit on a game because of a halftime score. <laughs> so just the opposite. When you were up or down? <laughs> down. Yeah. Quit. Just quit. 42 to nothing. Oh my at gosh. half. And which, I, one, which one was it? It was Syracuse. Oh, at Syracuse? At Syracuse. I remember 42 that to nothing. And I quit. The second half, I just played like a limp noodle. <laughs> I just didn't even care. I was, like, I was like, I'm, I don't even want to be here anymore. I don't want to play you guys. That was in that carrier dome. Too. It was. And, that, and there that was artificial turf, and you probably were all burned up. And oh, and, those, and they were so mean to us. They hated the, the religion that, that we carried, and they just, the fans were so bigoted and mean. Were they throwing oranges at you? Or oh, they, there was a couple guys dressed like Jesus, and then there were a couple dudes that were dressed like missionaries, and... They stood right there when we got off the bus and we're trying to walk in our locker room. They stood there with their robes and sandals and name <laughs> tags and, and called us names. And it was like, man, you guys are that's real blasphemy. All of you. And a sure couple it wasn't of, just a homeless guy and some actual missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have been. But a couple of our guys called him to repentance. That didn't go over well. <laughs> did you uh, did that affect the way you played? Yes. So they got to you? Yes, they got to me. I hated that fan base. I thought they man. were Laramie in Laramie throwing uh, urine bombs at you or something. There were some fan bases that could really get under my skin. And totally Utah affected. State. It, it typically, yeah, Utah State always did. But, uh, typically, it, like I would use it as fuel to start the game, but then it'd get under my skin and it would bug me enough that it's throwing off my game. And then I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. <laughs> I, I hate these guys. I, I, at Utah State, I finally went up to Ken Schmidt, our defense coordinator. I'm like, I'm done with these idiots because there was about 15 Utah State fans that lined that, you know, and they're just right above your head. Uh-huh. And they just kept yelling. My grandma's four rows up, and they're like, all of a sudden you turn coat. Your entire family's embarrassed of you. Look, even your grandma's embarrassed, and they're pointing at her, and my grandma's shaking her head like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I'm just like, I finally go to Ken. I'm like, I'm done. Ken goes and grabs two water bottles and leans his back up against the wall and just squeezes these water bottles up on these dudes 
And then they just turned on him the rest of the game. That was really nice. <laughs> so he was just trying to. Yeah, he was trying to get get these guys off the off back. Yeah. But it was Man. a warm afternoon, uh, summer day there in Logan, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. It always is, you know, late <laughs> October in Logan. It's always nice. I'm surprised that you let them get to you like that. Uh, they did. They did. Some fan bases could do that. I never let Utah State fans get to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the same guys. It's the same get, dude. But. Yeah, no, I've never celebrated an early lead at half. I have gone into halftime thinking, oh, man, we got, we got oh. this. Mm-hmm. I, and I've gone into halftime thinking, I can't wait to go out for the second half because that was actually a lot of fun. And and that guy, I just whooped his butt. And then you come out in the second half and you're like, who's this guy? And then they're cutting you at the knees and you're like, well, this sucks. <laughs> they replaced this guy and now they're chopping my knees out. Well, this sucks. What game did you enjoy the most, start to finish? Uh, that pure, San, pure joy. That San Diego State game I scored in. Ah. Because I had two sacks in that game. I had a touchdown, had a batted pass. It was one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And the only touchdown I ever scored in college or pros. And, uh, and, and my entire family was there. Everybody was there. And it was just one of those magical games. Everything was going right for me. And then like, the play-by-play guy called you Hans. Yeah, and then it's like, well, he's a. I never liked that guy anyway. I mean, that's. I got a story about him to tell you. Yeah, n- none of the players liked any of those guys. Which I was just like, how about you learn? I the like name? Bowler. I don't think it was well, the, no, the it one. Wasn't, that, it wasn't. Yeah, Bowler. the one that called me that was. Who was it? I can't tell you, but it may have rhymed with, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's the guy that, I told you the story, I went, I was at my sibling's wedding and saw this guy at the oh, temple okay. and went and told him, hey, nice to see you. And he just said, thank you for watching. Oh, okay. All right. I, I didn't know. say, hey, I like watching you. I know who you're talking about. Okay, so Hans, I'm going to give you a quick choice and we got to get out of here. We'll All right. Back. You get a touchdown, an interception, a fumble recovery, or three sacks. Or three what? Sacks. Can you spell that? Sacks. Use S-A-C-K-S. it in a sentence. C K S. Can can you use it in a sentence? I love sacks. <laughs> use it in a different sentence that can dif- differentiate. I'll take it the three sacks, man. <laughs> sacks. You know where you hit the quarterback. Uh, uh, I thought you meant sacks of cash. You know, I you know I had a punt return for nearly for a touchdown. Uh, it was a block punt, and I caught it and <laughs> against Colorado State and got down to like the three-yard oh, line. Oh, yes. how did you let someone I, stop you? I almost had a punt return for a touchdown. What happened? I uh, got, got, got tackled. Did you get dragged down from yeah, behind? Some guy wrapped up into my legs, and, and I went down, and I was unhappy. I'm taking the touchdown, man. Defensive touchdown. I just wish that I could go back and not carry the ball like a loaf of bread and not fumble the ball before I cross the goal line and not wiggle my hands around and be made fun of. Like, I wish I could have had something better prepared for that moment. Then it wouldn't have been you. That's what I love about that celebration. (laughs) Oh, it is very me. Yes. Oh, it it does look like little Mary went down to the grocery store and got a loaf of bread and is carrying it home for mom. And I... I was so excited there was the end zone, and, and I threw my hands up, and it's still people are like, that ball was not crossed the goal line. <laughs> like, I Kalen clayed it. And, <laughs> and uh, I did get, you know, I, I, I was awarded the six points, and then as I was thinking about my celebration, my hands were in the air wiggling, and then I was tackled, and that was it. 
But yeah, take the touchdown. So much fun. Note to self. In, you know, a, in a moment of euphoria, never wiggle my hands around. You know what was really cool, though? The NCAA awarded me, because I had the sacks, the touchdown, S-A-C-C-A-S, the touchdown, and... Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I had everything. It was. They awarded me the college... Not the saxophone. No, not the saxophone. They awarded me the College Football Player of the Week, and that came with a $3,000 scholarship that I got to give away to a kid at Weezer High School. Really? Yeah. So I got, I got $3,000 that I got to give away to some kid at, at uh, in my my former high school. Are you uh, in the Hall of Fame at WHS? My jersey's retired there. Really? Yeah, they don't have a Hall of Fame though. They don't. Uh-uh. They've got two retired jerseys. Me and a guy named uh, Carpenter was his last name. Where did he, what did he end up? Chad doing? Carpenter. Yeah, I played for the Cardinals. Oh, really? All right. We got to exit stage left real quick. Right. It's the Hans Olsen story time. This is this is good stuff. We'll keep it going. Coming up next. In. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, Hans, to wrap up this hour, I want you, just inside of one paragraph, or even a couple sentences, really, to... Give our listeners, those who are Ute fans, reason to be really, really optimistic about the Utes. All right. Uh, I think you've got two linebackers that are all Pac-12 options, first-team options. I think you've got a starting five up front on the offensive line that's going to be solid and consistent. I think you've got you've you've got a six foot six and a six foot seven, three hundred twenty plus D tackles starting on the interior. Get a good push. You have just universal talent, speed. Um, I'm excited about this Tavion, this running back Tavion kid that is going to be spectacular. What's his best quality? Oh man, uh, right now. Based off the film that I've watched, his ability to get get the one yard or two yard and a third and one or a fourth and one on the goal line. Just he's a, a power guy. He will come downhill and not mess around. But he's also got a beautiful long stride in the open field. Uh, you know, with those long legs. He's 6'2", uh, and he can long stride. So, so much to be optimistic about. It's He can all fall flat on its face, but going into the season – it sure is exciting to watch this thing come together. All right. We're not that far away. Nope. We are not that far away. All right. Why don't we go out to, to the phone line and talk with Andrew? Yeah, Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic here on the big show today. And, Andrew, we've given out the number, 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. We've uh, had people call and ask if this is uh, something they can trust, that they're going to be handled discreetly when they get there. Is this something that, that that's going to be broadcast? Yeah, that's a great question. It is a very discreet environment. A man struggling with erectile dysfunction, typically it's not something you want to share. You'll come into the clinic. Uh, it's a confidential environment. You'll be put in a room. You meet with a male doctor who will do an assessment to make sure that you're a good candidate for our treatments. So, yes, uh, men tell us, in fact, over and over again that they were 
more comfortable than they had imagined. This is a procedure or a problem that's been handled almost like a, you get a Band-Aid, it's good for a little bit, then you have to go get another Band-Aid with a pill or an injection or even a surgery, heaven forbid. You have a, a solution that uh, is a, a on the road to a permanent fix, isn't it? It really is, uh, at least long term. And maybe down the road as this develops, it could be. What we're seeing is that men do a few treatments with the wave technology at Wasatch Medical. It opens up the blood vessels just enough that they can eliminate the pill. Turn back the clock in the bedroom, more blood flow, uh, better performance. And that uh, clinical studies have gone back and gauged results years after men got the treatments and the results were still there. So you're right. The pill, you're going to be doing it forever. You're going to be taking more of it. Most guys get side effects from it. I have never heard of or seen a side effect with acoustic wave therapy. No chemicals, nor hormones. We're just talking about more blood flow. Wow, that's great. And the secret is that, yeah, the things, things inside the bedroom will be a lot better, but that means the rest of your life improves, right? Certainly, there's a ripple effect. When uh, things go well in the bedroom, they go well outside of the bedroom. I think it's tied to happiness and overall sense of well-being for sure. All right, 801-901-8000. If they call, uh, Andrew, you've got an assessment for free today. Yes, if you're craving better performance in the bedroom, call us. Uh, We always believe in delivering a lot of value. You can leave your wallet at home. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with the MD is free. Uh, You can at least ask questions. You'll get the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. Uh, It's all totally no charge. 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. More of The Big Show up next here on The Zone. All right, that'll wrap up a big show. Hans, I appreciate you sitting in, man. This has been a whole lot of fun. It's been a lot of good sacks, Gordon. <laughs> uh, appreciate Would that be you. sacks or sacks? S-A-C-K-S. Uh, I appreciate you. What's the you. best sacks you ever had? <laughs> that would be against San Diego State for sure. I appreciate you having me in, man. It, you know, Gordon, anytime I get a chance to sit down and chat a little sports with you, I'm on it, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. doing two shows. is not not easy. I mean, uh, yeah, believe it or not, sometimes we get tired of talking. And I appreciate you making the effort. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy well, it. Well, and here we are right on the cusp of college football. So yeah. a million things to talk about. And obviously a big day where BYU has announced their starting quarterback being Jaron Hall. And the day after, Utah announcing their starting quarterback. So – a lot of great storylines, and man, we're so close, Gordon. Yeah. We're we are one week from tomorrow, kicking off this season with Weber State in Utah. Look forward to it. All right, uh, tomorrow we'll have. I think uh, PK is going to join me tomorrow as Jake Scott continues to endure his supposed vacation. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, join us tomorrow. Just join us with DJ and PK starting in the morning.